Hey, awesome nerds, and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch or recap television shows we really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept, and characters could be used in different role-playing games. I am your host, Jeremy, and we are still making our way through that time I got reincarnated as a slime, that time slime, as we call it. Uh, we're up to episodes 13 and 14, and I am joined by my competent co-host, Caleb, who is currently lopping off limbs willy-nilly. Not his own, uh, just Hello. other people's. It's, there's so many appendages everywhere. So many appendages. So many appendages just going all over the place in these episodes. They really should. Like, mm, no, I. Oh, that that gave me squick. That gave me squick in those bits. It's, it's, it's done. That was weird enough when Deadpool did it to keep people alive. It's like it's weird when. Uh, that's like, nah, it's that's weird. The whole cannibalism thing in this episode, that's a little bit too much. It's not as bad as Goblin Slayer, yeah, this... but yeah, it was it was a little confronting for me. Oh yeah, the stuff, there are moments in this series where it just all of a sudden just goes, whoa, okay, hey dude, jeez. Um, which, to be fair, it does feel very, very D&D. Yeah. Where, like, you know, everyone's making jokes, having laughs, and then suddenly the most... <laughs> Like, suddenly, like, there's an attack or one of your players decides to torture someone, and it's just like, okay, cool, that's tone. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're going there now. Okay, sure, that was um, disturbing. Yeah, I think it was when, um, in these episodes, it was when the first Lizardmen got killed, like, and devoured. Yeah. Like, last episode, we had the orcs yeah. eating each other, and it was just like, Ruh, 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 like just kind of the heads moving this one we saw the blood and the arms like flailing around as he's devoured alive i'm like oh we're going there oh okay jesus that's a scream yeah like, if i remember correctly there is also like a fear aspect to devour or start. sure sure that makes sense um where it sort of freezes everyone else in place but also i think it'd just be really really screwy to see one of your comrades just eaten alive yeah i think people forget that particularly dnd where you're kind of the hero you don't really see yourself as vulnerable that way and i love it when it's like ghouls or zombies mainly ghouls honestly rather than zombies have them like bite into a player and just be like yeah i'm just tearing the flesh off you like you've got a chunk taken out of you now it's not like a cut it's not a wound it's a hole like you're missing muscle right now it's yeah, so yeah. terrifying because they're like, no, 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 no. Don't make do that to me again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like the, the sort of visceral aspect of it, like zombies, <clears throat> like a lot of the uh, language around them has been ve very much like we're used to zombies. We're used to how zombies eat. They go on for the yeah. brains or the tearing part entrails. That's okay. But sure. you like a ghoul or even the orcs in the mix. And suddenly you had to deal with like, okay, um, here's the thing, this thing that I'm unfamiliar with. What's it going to do? Eat people? Oh wait, eating people is actually really messed up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whoopsie. I remember my um, yeah, uh... my my first well, one of my more recent characters was my orc fighter, who I love, and for most of his life he was you know a pit fighter and traumatized all this stuff, but he was kind of given whatever meat was around to eat. So he didn't become too picky about it. 
And I remember one time there was, um, we were getting a job from someone and he just, the guy's like, we're asking for more money. And the guy goes, what do you think I'm made of money? And my orc just goes, nah, you're made of meat. <laughs> and it's just this full on intimidation. Like, yeah, and I will eat you. Like <laughs> you can pay us more or I'm going to get my food one way or the other. Exactly. Oh, it was no, just so, so wonderfully creepy. So wonderfully creepy. Yeah. Um, Speaking of orcs, and, uh, speaking of orcs and eating things, so the well, great clash yeah, and the one, so the great clash and the one who devours all these episodes. Um, basically, it's the finale of the orc lord. First, it's um, Rimuru saving the lizard folk, and then Rimuru fights the orc lord and Gelmud, the um, the mage, and that's basically all that happens in these these two episodes. Mostly, yeah. Um, you do get to see yeah. the Kijin, um go in. Yeah pretty hard just kind of full pelt and show off their powers now i do have a question about that um, because clearly the orcs devoured the ogre village except for these five or six yeah. i can't remember how many it is i think it's five no it is six um so clearly the orcs are now pretty powerful as well hmm. like i feel like the the kaijin shouldn't have just like slaughtered them that easily because like the orcs have been like building up some some prowess so they devoured the ogres, yes, but mm. from what we've seen, um, the Kijin, like once an ogre gets brought up to a Kijin, mm -hmm. um, like that is, like everyone's this is like a level, they've level 10, they've, they've really gone up like, yeah, exactly. they've maxed their levels, whereas the orcs are still like little mooks and, and grunts and things like that. Exactly. Um, and in the end, like, you eat an ogre village, it's like, those are, what, the next mooks up? Whereas how many mm. times have you got, come across a Kijin in an RPG environment? Never. never. For me, never, um, honestly. <laughs> I had another question about the orcs eating um, people. Um, not tied in with the ogres because that was kind of like, okay, cool, that's just their power level and I liked what they were doing as well because it looked cool. But the orcs yeah. ate one lizard man and suddenly they all had the powers of lizard man. Exactly. So um, did they so really need to eat like sort of everyone or could they just eat one person and like the entire army is now like super powerful? Oh, absolutely. They could absolutely do that. The only way okay. that they don't do that is because of the ability to starve. They are constantly yeah. starving. I like, know the feeling. They're going to eat because that's the only way they're not going to be starving. So, if, if they were just going to go for a nibble, then yeah, absolutely, they could, they could eat one person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If they just wanted the power, like Rimuru, does, or not want the power, but if they were just after the powers, then Rimuru would be able to do it. Mm. Yeah. All right, cool. That answers all my questions about this episode. Um, and now we can kind of get on to the other stuff about it. Um, because we do get to see... Gelmud. Gelmud? I didn't really catch his Gelmud, proper yeah. name. Yeah, because he wasn't really in the um in the episode for that long. He was one of those no. those um I guess a mini boss. There were a lot of mini bosses, I feel, in this episode. Because we had Gelmud, we had the Orc General, um who's the clown face major who gets his arm chopped off by a trainee? Oh, that is um 
Lapis or something. Uh, the plus. La plus. I did not like. I did not care for him. Um, I'm glad we didn't see much of him. I will be quite honest. I am not a big fan of the Harlequin Alliance. Mm. Um, not because mm. of them as characters, but honestly, it's just the characterization. It, it grates on me for a while. Uh, after a while, um, I'm I'm kind of hoping yeah, that the there. sub is a lot better than the dub because he was very irritating in the dub. Uh, I'm just calling him Clownface, but. What I wanted to talk about with these ones is that they are like these, well, the Orc General is a good example. He's not the Orc Lord, but he is super powerful and does give the characters at the time like a run for their money. Like it's only Gabaru against him. And Gabaru, who we saw Gob to take down, uh, that doesn't mean anything, but we've seen that he's actually pretty powerful, like for a lizard folk or against yeah. an Orc. And now this guy's scaring. Gabaru gets some characterization. Yeah. And I like that as- insane, Particularly games where you do have a lot of villains and a lot of combat, you have those subordinates to the big bad, the ones who are putting plots in place, the ones who are leading armies, the ones who, at the end of an arc, you get to have a big boss battle, and it's kind of perfectly balanced for the characters at that point. And then you go, well, that took us, that was a really tough fight. So, how does it go for, you know, once we go against their boss, will that be even tougher? Exactly. And like what ways in particular are you going to help out your party in making sure that they actually have some sort of a chance? Mm. Mm. Uh, I was curious um, because we've mm-hmm. got in this uh, couple of episodes sort of the a great example of how war is usually done in D&D is a bunch of little skirmishes. Yeah. And usually a one-on-one thing. Mm. Um, or like a, a group on one. Mm. Now, that is, that is interesting because, um, I mean, D&D began as a war game. So you feel like it should be designed exactly. that you could have a war game in it, but you don't. Exactly. It is much more, uh, much more based around the idea of having like a few guys going up against another few guys. I know they actually did try to address it with the Warriors of Quinn mm-hmm. board game, but I've just not had a chance to play that one yet. So how do you run big battles like this? Have you ever run a big battle like this? I have in some cases. I do have the Warriors of Kryn book. Um, I have both the board game and the adventure. And the adventure actually does a pretty good job of it. Um, the the board game itself, like that kind of determines who wins or loses and gives you benefits and things like that. But that is a separate game. Um, and it's just kind of yeah. an added benefit for people who want to play it. I mean, I do like the fact that you can go, okay, you're about to go into a battle. We'll end the session here. Next week, come back and we'll play the the board game. And then the week after, we're back in, in D&D land where the outcome of the game is resolved. But one of the things that... Yeah. Um, works really well in i'm trying to remember what it's called is it shadow that no it can't be shadow of the dragon queen anyway the dragonlance adventure is that they have kind of set battles set combats that take place during these battles and it might be you are commanded to guard the hill with the artillery on it 
and then you have, oh, look, there's a fray going on and you're just kind of the guards and occasionally someone will break through and you get to attack them. And it really is, that's the main fight. If you win, then the battle's probably over by that time. If you get defeated, then you're probably going to lose anyway. And if you go near that edge of the board, that's when you kind of fall into the regular battle and you just start taking damage. Because there's just so many people around you. Like, yeah, like that's when you fall into the war and it becomes, there's just too much. You're not prepared for one-on-one anymore. You're just like starting to hemorrhage essentially. And And it does also have the every turn something random happens. And it might be someone stumbles out and dies in front of you. Or a dragon flies over and strafes the whole area and you just kind of pick an area that gets strafed. And it doesn't matter who's there because it's just, this is how war occurs. And I like that idea. I like that idea that every turn something random occurs, but I feel you could easily do that with something like a lair action or just um, battlefield stuff. It doesn't necessarily need to be a, a war zone. The other way I like doing it is kind of the Final Fantasy idea where you have a certain number of encounters and it's just the the characters smashing their way through to an objective. And it's kind of, you've got to hit them hard, you've got to hit them fast, you've got to keep going because your forces are closing in behind you and protecting you, but you've got to do it so quickly the enemy doesn't have time to get on top of you. Gotcha. So it's that sort of that moving line type thing. Yeah, it's like hit them, run, hit them, run. And then you go, you got the vanguard, you've got the next ones, you've got the next ones. And then suddenly you're in the middle of the army and you just got to hold out long against the bodyguards of the general for the rest of the forces to catch up to you. Mm. Nice. There is, there is another adventure called, um, oh, uh, Red Hand of Doom, which is all about invasions okay, and wars. Uh, I think it was third edition. That is a lot more of the traditional, you will have some combat, but you're not fighting on the front lines. Uh, there's a lot more of your planning and placing all your forces in different areas, but it's more, you're trying to stop the army, like by sneaking around the back, like the, the back lines, real regard, you're sneaking around the rear guard and you're trying to find out the secrets of the army and stop them getting allies rather than just like confronting them head on. And there are some epic moments, but it is still like you're walking through the, you're going to reinforce the wall and then suddenly assassins strike rather than, you know, you're fighting an entire regiment against yourself. Yeah. No, I gotcha. Awesome. Um, Because, yeah, the, um, it sounds like a lot more like like the splinter group that uh, was like Benimaru, Soe, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think that's just coming in with just like hitting hard, hitting quick, sneaking up behind, that sort of stuff. Yeah, and you get those moments of them charging through and just doing one big hit, like getting to use most powerful abilities and seeing that effect on on the enemy. And yeah. I think in this case it would work something like the army as a whole has a certain amount of hit points. And instead of exact hit points, it'd be something more like morale. Um, and enough damage will damage that morale. So you're just kind of not wiping them out per se, but you do a big enough hit and suddenly they're like, all right, maybe we need to regroup and pull back from that area and see what we can do. So you're starting to really do damage and push them back just from these massive thunderstorms and like cyclones and things like that. Um, 
So you're not having to worry about, okay, and then I fire Firebolt again and it kills one guy. Yeah. But it's it's something that needs to affect something as opposed to like this, yeah, the time little attack that's going to do what, really? Mm. Like you say, just take out one guy. I mean, I liked the the challenge between the Orc General and Gabaru. Mm. Like, like that to me, cool. yeah, that felt to me a little bit more like what D and D could be. And mm. there's, it's not so much like watching the D and D movie. You do get the feeling that like there's just battle going on. This is in the the flashback sequence for those who haven't seen it when they're flashing back and invest, interrogating the dead people. Um, mm. It's just combat just everyone's fighting and there's a moment where people get to talk and then suddenly one of them gets killed kind of thing i wouldn't want to play that i would rather have the idea the more the lord of the rings style thing where you're starting to to clash and then um you really start to come close to like you can see the enemy hero or the enemy leader like bringing the mace through smashing aside the elves again and you ch- yell out that challenge and he spots you and you spot him and then you charge at each other and a gap forms around you as the armies do kind of just stop yeah. and watch these two titans struggle yeah exactly like that's um, what i feel a, a dnd war combat would be like yeah you, you want like if you're playing as like level 5 level 10 characters then it is going to be a clash of these le- legendary almost leaders and that i think would definitely also you speak about morale that would definitely affect the morale of of the of the surrounding army so maybe maybe if you end up doing a certain level of even just a certain level of damage to like this other titan that's going up against you uh you do have those moments where you do enough damage and the overall all morale goes down. You know, we thought that the guy was untouchable, and even though he's still alive, we're, we're, it's shaking us up a little bit. So well, it's it's the um, there's the Eowyn versus the Lord of the Nazgul, where mm. she takes him out, and the forces just fall back because their general has been yeah. like so much of their power is in their general right there, and they lose him. And it's like, yeah, yeah. you fall back, you won a respite. And that's all you yeah. really need to do because the next wave is going to be just as bad, but you've got that respite. Like you've gained, you've gained an advantage over them. You've gained a magic weapon just from this one little fight yeah. that you've had. And I like that, that element as well, where you can, you don't change the course of the battle necessarily, or you don't change the course of the war necessarily from the battle, but you can change that day. Yeah. A, a little notch. Yeah. Um, in the belt there. The other the option... I ended up- oh, sorry. I was just going to interrupt you again because I want to talk today. <laughs> no, I'm thinking I'm thinking of the Warhammer 40,000 Total War, um, the RPG, and this is a game that is set entirely in war. And the idea is that you're just frontline soldiers. You are regular grunts. And I kind of like that idea as well where it's like this stalemate and you're just like, okay, cool. Today, you got to go out and take that hill. Good luck. There's probably some guys there. You might die. If you do, well, that's too bad. That's a risk we'll roll up some more. 
know. Yeah. But it's also, if you take the hill, great. Now you've got a little base and we'll send you on more missions and more missions. So I like the idea as a campaign because at those early levels, maybe that is a full challenge and like coming up against yeah. like two ogres or something that are the, the siege weapons, that's going to be tough at level two. Yeah. Like that's a terrifying prospect. And like your entire campaign could just be this war zone as things get worse and worse and you're sent against tougher and tougher enemies. I think that's almost what the Dragonlance book tries to go for, at least. Yeah. Um, like existing within this War of the Lance. Um, but yeah, like I agree, it would be really, really interesting to just have something that is a full war. You would need definitely players that are up for um, that level of combat. Um, mm. People that are very mechanically focused. But yeah, it could be quite interesting. Yeah, well, I'm wondering, does it need to be mechanically focused? Like, there's currently out um, Forge, I think it's Forged and Brothers, or uh, no, Forged in the Dark. Okay. The Forged in the Dark series, which does Blades in the Dark. I'm pretty certain they have um, a Band of Brothers style system where it is you're just a group of soldiers in a war zone and you're adventurers and things. But the idea is that you're, you've got your own unit. And in the downtime, you're like scavenging for food and things like that. So it's not necessarily combat because they don't really have a heavy combat system in, in um, Forge in the Dark. But it is, yeah. it is about tactics. It's more about, okay, well, I want to help that person to give someone else an advantage. So it's not like I move six squares. It's I move six squares and then I'm flanking. It's like, I'm going to go flank that guy. Roll for it. Cool. You got to flank, but now you're exposed kind of thing. Gosh, that'd be really interesting. Because I yeah, am I've... actually planning on doing like a full-on war thing. So yeah, just even existing, like just even just an adventure that exists within a war zone. Yeah. Like getting to make different choices on, okay, what do we hit? And then, you know, depending on which things that you've decided to hit that's going to affect the army's choices later on and maybe in this maybe in a big deciding battle is going to affect like um how much firepower they have or maybe affects their morale or affects their maybe their equipment mm. you know maybe you've been keeping them up at night who knows um but yeah that could be really really interesting Mm. Um, I think so it's one way there's so many stories to tell. Mm. There are one way that I decided to run, um, sort of a like it, it was a warlike. It was essentially a town defense, as opposed to like a full on war. Like there were forces mm -hmm. at the gate, um, and this is the one with the um, the undead necromancer that came out of the dragon. Sure, um, yeah, that makes sense, but. Um, so, you know, uh, they fight their ground forces, then you have the dragon that comes in, um, and then you have the big boss. Mm -hmm. So it was very much structured like what they did with, um, that time slime, which was a bunch of little skirmishes. But mm -hmm. I also made it that with every single victory, it meant that part of the army was freed up to help out the party. Um, yes. In that main force. So it meant that they then got you know, this 
I then just turned to a lot of them once they'd like defeated one of the battalions um, of the opposing force. Okay, so which battalion do you want to have at your command? And then you're going to have a couple of little lieutenants that you can command personally. So every single turn, you can one of you guys can command the battalion that's coming in to do some uh, to do their thing, whether that be regaining one of your spell slots or healing you up or making a fire of their own or trying to stun them or that sort mm -hmm. of stuff. And your own little late lieutenants can do this as well. And I then also set it up because this is a group of about six level fives going up against um, an, a zombie dragon and a reskinned mummy lord. Okay. Uh, which is messed. If you, if you know the CR ratings for these things, that is a very, yeah. very mean thing to do. Yeah. So what I would do, whenever one of the party would take a hit that would drop them past zero, one of their lieutenants would jump in the way and take the blow for them. Mm -hmm. And most often, the, one of these lieutenants was one of the uh, Grindylows that they'd had, that they'd made friends with at a funeral, uh, yeah. like a couple of nights before, and that they'd grown a little connection with. So, because they're not playing tactically, like that, that sort of convinces them to, to not be like, "Oh, I've got lieutenants, whatever." Like, uh, I'll, I'll go in and take the hit. You had the players going, "I don't know which of these lieutenants who's going to die if I." Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I loved in the so, episode when, um, when I think Gelmud is just like, "I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna kill Gabaru now." That's that's probably the easiest way for me to do this. And just throws all the things and his his ally his um his three fan squad, his uh his cheerleaders jump in yeah, jump in front of him and like take the full hit. And I'm just like no, for one thing, like scream out big no, because I didn't want them to die. Yeah. But also that's kind of what they should be for. And that what you've said is exactly that. Like you have these allies there, the NPC allies, who you suddenly just block that blow, jump in front of them and take that blast, take that magic thing that would have taken you down to zero hit points. Yeah, it means that you can have this big battle against like, like a, a massive force that is normally beyond the party's ken, but mm. still ties into that D&D &D aspect of, you know, I've got allies beside me, I've made these friends, I've made these allies, and now I have to deal with, you know, the consequences of war, um, where some of those friends might, you know, might have forged enough of a connection with me to take the hit. I love that idea, particularly um, when it is like one big boss creature or a couple, like a wizard or something like that, where you could wear them down with that attrition. Like the heroes would be incredibly outmatched by it. But like, let's say yeah. you've got, you're fighting a lich or something and you're only level seven. And the lich just throws a disintegrate at you and your ally jumps in front of it and gets disintegrated instead. Well, the lich is used up disintegrate now. Now they're in trouble, like not in trouble, yeah. but you know, they're starting to, to drain their resources are coming down. And now you as a much weaker opponent has that chance. 
because of somebody else's heroic sacrifice. Exactly. And I, I think I'm just now realizing, oh, wait, did I just base this entire little war game off of this battle in, <laughs> in uh, that time slide? That's, uh, I was wondering about that because you're saying like the gritty loads are jumping in front of them. Like, that's, that sounds like the kind of thing that Caleb would really enjoy from this episode. Absolutely. I like um, I like that idea of when you do have party followers and let's say mm. you're just going through a dungeon um, and, you know, you trigger a trap and it does a whole heap of damage, going to the player and go, okay, you have the choice now. You can take all that damage or you can take none of it and let's say maybe your party follower got in the way instead. Yeah. And it, it means like like allies and NPCs and hirelings have a purpose because now they're um, human shields, but it's also like, well, do you want Boblin the Goblin to really just get disintegrated like that? Yeah. Like I, you're, you're bringing this little guy in to a place that is dangerous for you as a level five. Mm. Like that's like, you're kind of messed up dude. Um, and <laughs> here, deal with the consequences of that. I, I I love it. I love it as an idea, but it's also starting to make, it does make me think that a couple of my players will be like, cool, I just make, create an orphanage and I've got kids all over the place and just like carrying around. It's like, that's, that's not good. That's not, no, mm, no that's not what I was planning. Yes. Here's the, the <laughs> patented meat shield orphanage. I'd love to say that I patented it, uh, but no, that was a thing from, I want to say the book of vile darkness. The um, oh, I can't remember which emperor it is. There's a guy, and basically he's got all these children on chains. And if you damage him, the children take the herd instead. Oh blimey! Yeah, I need. To, I still yeah. need to look at Book of Our Darkness. You really tired? But <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It's good. I do know I got an update. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I continue, continue talking about the episode. Yes, we can. Of- yeah, we can continue to talk about the episode. There is, I guess, also an open conversation there of the purpose of player followers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I think the uh, player followers, because uh, we could talk about Sui. Sui? Soe? Soe. Soe, yes. Um, the blue-haired you, you, you sounded very hyped about Soe when we were talking. Uh, yeah, Soe, because he doesn't do much in this episode. Uh, <laughs> well, not that we see anyway. Because at the start, he's yeah. just, like, fighting. He spots the the lizard folk who doesn't have a name, um, Gabaru's sister, I guess. And... Oh, yeah, I and, name, but yeah. yeah. I'm guessing she gets a name later, because everyone does. But I, I was disappointed yeah. she didn't have one already. And, yeah, spots it. And everyone's like, right, we're going to have to fight and rescue her. And they show up, and just all the orcs she was fighting were dead. And so he's just sitting there. It's like, okay, I guess he doesn't need help. He's just, like, a fucking badass. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which I loved, uh, actually. I like him as a party follower. Like, he's that NPC that you kind of send out on missions rather than, like, have him at the party all the time. You're like, do I, I really need that gang lord killed, but I've got to go and raid that dungeon. So, Sue, could you, you know, do your thing? Um, but also, when yeah, he finally... To put in that war game camp, um, the war game campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, recruits. Yeah. Just and, sorry, and, a little bit of a side there. Recruits like Soe and stuff like 
recruits, reinforcements, and like um, gaining new units, and like if you manage to make allies with the the nomadic tribes of um, cavalry, maybe you suddenly get a, a bonus for for charges and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. But sorry, um, quick little thought there. But quick little tangent. That's what we do. I was thinking more when he and the um, the guard captain Gabaru's sister goes in and like retrieves the leader and he just like slaughters all the orcs in the in the lizard folk tunnels as well and then there's like the big orc boss that comes out and he's just like no you're all wrapped up in like my threads now you're not even gonna worry about it it's like that the laser sequence in resident evil that just slices and dices him but his moment where he's like give this a message to the one that commands the orc lord we're all gonna kill you and then he kills the guy i'm like you can't send him a message if you kill him he can't he can't repeat the messages he's watching through (laughs) i know i i like they then clash to like the the scrying crystal i'm like that's um that's not really how messages work so like you've got to have to let them survive. I thought he was going to like leave all these scars on him, but he's like, no, no, I'm just going to squish him. Yeah, just like, yeah, send the message. No, wait. No, nah, I'll do it myself. You're useless. Yeah. I I liked it once it was revealed, but at the time I'm like, um, you can't, you can't kill him. You got to let him go send the message. Like, and then did he really need to address it then? Like, does he really need to address the message? Or can he just like, yeah, we just slaughtered everyone. That feels like a message enough. Yeah, just like here's here's the message, just death. Yeah. Oh. What is it? I think it's um. Oh, what show was I watching? I want to say it was in um, Cyberpunk, or a, a show similar to Cyberpunk, where it is very much like that. And he's like giving the message to a guy, and he's like, "And if and tell your boss." I'm coming for him next. And he goes, oh, you can't kill me. And he blows the guy's head off and he turns around to the, the mook standing behind him who's just wet himself. And he goes, you're the one I was talking to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. I, I, I do need to go back and watch that. It's a- I don't remember where that's from. I have a feeling it's not actually Cyberpunk. It's some other ridiculous show. Yeah. But yeah, no, we'll check back at the uh, D&D TV episodes for cyberpunk edge runners see the yeah. difference to it there everyone go back and listen to episodes again that's what i do every week that's why our downloads are so high <laughs> just just ask those downloads from different ip addresses yeah basically yeah um, so what did what did you want to say about soe and like and um other party followers from from that because i also shion with who i love um she but i do have a question Yep, she owns amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Did she? Because I'm certain that the the secretary outfit was just in Rimuru's imagination, wasn't it? No, no. She, she, he, he made the he got um, Shuna to make the secretary outfit. Oh, okay. Because I thought he was like imagining that, and then suddenly she was just in it all the time. I was like, all right, <laughs> sure. I mean, why not? I'm I'm over questioning things like that now. But no, um, Shuna doing all the stuff with um, the Dwarf Brothers. Um, she is now, I guess, the the town's fashion designer. Sure, sure. So uh, check back at our uh, episode on jobs. Yes, and um, uh, 
go back but to Gossip Girl episodes on fashion. <laughs> exactly. Um, gosh, D&D TV, what a great podcast. I know, right? Um, more, more people should listen. Uh, but yes, uh, enough plugging within the thing. Yeah, plugging within the episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, breaking the fourth wall there. Um, so when it comes to player followers, Mm-hmm. So now that we're sort of in, we've also been discussing the idea of you know the war games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There is certainly an idea of let's say you do have a and a companion with you. Now, it's a dog. There is a how do we how do we say? Um, there, there's I can't find my words today right on a podcast and they can't find my words let's say that you do have someone that is going along with a party and mm-hmm. they are there and there is a temptation as the dm for that particular uh, npc to have their own little arc and yes their own little something or other mm. they have their own story yeah yes now I had a thought about how to make it so they are not overshadowing the party. And something I found was that it's really good to make them in some way a mirror or a warning um, of one of the other players. Okay. Uh, So let's use... Like, we already get this when it comes to the Orc Lord. Normally we find this with villains, where they are usually sort of the dark aspect or a end result of a particular power or a particular thing that the hero can do. So Rimuru has Devourer, and you have the Orc Lord Geld having starved. Yeah. You would essentially want to have a if you wanted to make a follower for Rimuru, for example, uh, that was close to him. Maybe it would be something that does have, you know, one that's very food based or devouring based, or someone that also, um, you know, wants to create a town or an environment. Hmm. Um, so you could have something like a vampire follower where there's still that food aspect, yeah. but they might be that little bit of a darker mirror to them. Exactly. And it allows your players to have those arcs where they can be like, okay, how would my character feel about this thing that is an inherent part of themselves? How do they respond to how this NPC is replying to it. So I remember in one of my campaigns, there was a, one of the NPCs that they had, um, one of their parents, well, one of their friends were experimented on by the big bad. And then later on, one of the other players realized that their mother that was taken from them at a young age was also put through this. And so it becomes this point of connection between the two. But um, had the campaign continued, it would have been this 
perhaps diverging path as the NPC perhaps got a little bit more jaded, got a little bit more angry. What what mm. made bigger risks or was very focused on getting this one particular big bad. Um, and yeah, so yeah. making them something beyond just, you know, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. Oh, I'm dead now. And everyone start crying. Mm. Well, maybe not. You don't necessarily have to kill them, but it's always helpful to <laughs> pull the tart strings when you do. I did do something similar with um, with one group I was running for. They were they needed a guide like through a certain area, and I didn't really give them a lot of like I gave them some options, and each of the options was sort of tied in with each of the characters, and then in the end they chose a ranger. Um, like they just went, okay, cool, one of those scouts over there, kind of thing. And of course, there was a ranger in the party, so I was like, "Okay, cool. This this scout kind of sees you as a as a mentor, as a hero, because that's the kind of thing that she does. She goes out and scouts and lives in the wilderness. If they picked one of the knights, then the paladin would have had something similar, like someone who goes, "You're a real hero. You stand up for for the little people, and that's what I want to try to achieve." Or if it had been the wizard, then it's yeah. something similar in that regard as well. Absolutely. And I think that's, I think it's a good way. It's something that people, um, certainly Wizards of the Coast talk about in Van Richten's Guide. I just saw Super Geek Mike's video today uh, that came out with the day we were recording um, about Van Richten's Guide, where you pick something for the villain that the heroes see as an ideal. So if you have, say, again, we'll use a paladin as example, somebody who sees uplifting the common man. Well, the villain has taken that up to a hundred and has yeah. made it a bad thing. And that's what you can do with the NPCs as well. It's maybe not take it up to a hundred and make it a bad thing, but take something that the heroes really like and give it to them as well and get them to either be a hero because of it or have them see that there are consequences to it. Absolutely. I think that's what we see with the characters in... Um, that time slime, which is yeah. a lot of them do represent sort of an ideal way that Rimaru can go about being a leader or mm. being a warrior. You know, you've got Xion with like just pure power base, like smash through everything. You've got Benny Maru, who's like definitely more of your, your margin, like your magic based. Um, but also, like, and, and then you have Soe, who is, um, you're more sitting in the shadows. But also, uh, what's the word? Uh, Personality-wise, they also reflect that. You know, you do have um, Xion, who has a deep, deep love for, like, anything that she cares about. That's something mm. that Rimuru has. You have Benny Maru, who is... Um, you know, you know, has a certain regal, like royalness to him, who who does have like, like, okay, I know that I am powerful, and I need to know when to exercise that and when to not. Um, and then you have Soe, who's like, look, I'm cool with sitting back. And that's very much how Rimuru is. Like, he's not wanting mm. to rock the boat or anything. He just wants to be comfortable. But I think you, you make that good point. Sort of 
you can see where each of them is respecting Rimuru from. Like why each of them has chosen to be in this this party. Like because they are yeah. elements of him and each of them have the reason to be there. And I'm thinking you go with um, Gabaru as well because I'm going to assume that Gabaru then joins the, the fledging nation because Rimuru protects him. And Gabaru, for all his his um, bluster and bravado, and I'm the greatest and I should be leading, he cares yep. deeply about his followers, and that's why he is doing the things he he does, because he's trying to do the best he for genuinely. the tribe. Yeah, and he genuinely believes that what he has chosen to do is the best thing. Yeah. So but if he is if... a decision that he has made completely off his own bat, and has just a bunch of yes-men around him. Whereas Rimuru is going to do what's best for everyone, but, you know, holds a council and genuinely listens to everyone around him. But then I see when when Rimuru steps in and saves Gabaru from the second blast, like Gabaru's followers did as well, and blocks it, I feel that that's when Gabaru would go, oh, there is another way. That there is this yeah. way to protect people without just... You know, hearing everything they say is a yes. It's like this is someone I can I can follow because he stands for the same things that I yeah. do. And I think that that's why followers yeah. should follow an adventuring party because you've got the same out, outlooks. Like you, exactly. adventurers in particular, player characters, um, and the people who play all the characters, they will have different opinions on what you should do. But when you give the party a follower, they should have a direct reason for being there they shouldn't just be because you're paying me kind of unless you know it's a mercenary and that's exactly what they're there for but there should be someone who's chosen to come with them because it's like you stand for justice or you're working your way up the ranks and i want to help you or you killed the dragon that was you know plaguing my village and i want to do everything i can to say thank you sort of thing exactly as the stakes get higher and higher and basically as these players start going through hell you have to make something that is tangible and um, fundamental enough for the characters like the NPCs for them to turn around and be like here's why I'm following you into hell yeah yeah and you know you can rely on them you don't have to second guess them and be like are they going to stab me in the back and, and things like that because yeah, you've got enough most, yeah, most parties are going to be, you know, fighting a lot of people to start with. You don't really want to have to put another thing on top of them unless it's really fun or they, it's because of their own, their oh, yeah. own issues. I uh, recall giving a party a sage, a, a dwarf scholar mm -hmm. who, um, you know, this is for when they're like, what, what do we know about dragons? He's like, well, you can, I can tell you these things. And they came back with a book yeah, of, stuff. Yeah. Uh, they came back with a book of ancient evil, which was going to be the the campaign's big bad. And they said, hey, can you translate this? And chucked it to him. And he got infected by it because that's what had been happening. If you read these books, you slowly went insane and you joined the cult. And they didn't read it because they didn't want to read it. But they gave it to this guy, assuming he'd be fine. And he slowly started to work against them because they were always off adventuring and he'd been infected by this. And they were able to save him. But the point was they didn't think it through. And weren't quite respecting his his actions and what could happen to him. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, that wasn't a 
it wasn't a deliberate betrayal on his part, but it, it can happen. And that's kind of the best betrayals for me. Yeah. Um, thanks, Party Files. We are starting to run out of time a little bit. Um, so there is one other thing that I wanted to talk about, and that was the smack talk. That <laughs> pretty much. Smack talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that everyone has. Now, I'm hoping it's just the dub um, because things, it, it was not great. It was not great. Um, these like, I can't believe someone's so weak and puny. Would, uh, I can't off the top of my head. I do remember that Benimari caused the orc disaster a foul slime. And I was like, dude, dude, oh, yeah. your boss is a slime. That is rude. That yeah, is just rude. Right up there, man. Yeah, he can hear you. Like, dude. Um, yeah. I, and it yeah, wasn't I just a little bit a dub thing. yeah it felt like anime dubbing stuff yeah. um, so I, I'm willing to give that but that idea that characters do want to smack talk sometimes like you want to have that yeah. back and forth with the villain and be like I'm going to take you down not if I take you down first and it's I feel like it's really fun but it's so hard to come up with cool one liners on the spot particularly as a villain uh, as a as game master and be like, yeah, I want to say something really cool back at you, um, but I won't. Man, that what that's what makes the um, any villain that is sort of a mind reader or has like sort of a metaphysical basis mm. so much fun because you can then have them just turn around and just talk absolute crap yeah on the party's most base fears yeah like you basically get to do it as a check-in of just like hey if someone were to like really dig down right into the fear of your character um what would they say that's that's what makes that really great and why as the, the more that you see a villain and the more interaction they have with the party the more that they are able to talk smack like that because then it becomes more personal yeah then it becomes more pointed i think uh, it's one of those cases when you want a villain to feel very intimidating you get them to do things like that and they talk about well you never you let your mother die didn't you ha, 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 ha. and that's how your fair family is going to feel when i kill you but if you want it to be a little bit of like this is just the mini boss which you're going to slaughter through and then you get to fight the big boss that's when they're like you are puny and weak hi i will be nothing but there'll be nothing but grass before me and it is like the silliness of it and just like get them to talk it up Absolutely. big but not don't make it personal just be like yeah i'm all that bluster yeah, that and also m making sure to also set up, like, oh, dude, we can tie it all together. We can? So, um, so you've got, essentially think of these mini-bosses as the follower for your villain, right? Yes. So what are the ideals that connect these guys to your big boss? What are the um, things that, like, what are the things that they hold dear? What do they really respect about the, um, their, their lord and master? Yeah. And you can then use that as setup. You can even use it as, like, a little bit of foreshadowing for maybe some of the more three-dimensional aspects you've worked into your villain. Uh, maybe, you know, my, my master 
has saved me from death. Uh, but from, yeah. from certain death. Uh, it's a shame that uh, you have he won't give you the same you offer. You cannot, so he cannot grant you that same mercy that he gave me. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, we've solved it. We've cracked it. We've been in D&D. You solved it. Yeah, you, there's a follower that you fight in a war. And mm -hmm. The general. Has to be the general. Connected. Has to be the general. And they are connected to the big bad, you know, getting that out the way because they are a follower. Man, we're so good at this. We, we're, yeah. we, we've sold D&D. We've, so, we've sold everything about it. We've sold it all. Everyone knows how to role play now. Um, well done, us. Like, best podcast um, ever. Follow if you want, us to, want to see us solve it further. Yeah. Yeah. Subscribe. We, we can't top that, but we'll try next week. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. Um, if you did enjoy listening to. Oh, no, there's one thing we've got to do before I do all the way to spiel. We've got to pick someone who gets a, a crit hit or a crit miss. Um, I nearly forgot. I'm going to give mine out pretty quickly because uh, because of this episode. I'm giving it to Gabaru's guards, the ones that sacrificed themselves. They did that. It, it was kind of like, oh, can, is there any way that like begging the DM? Is there any way I can not get killed? He's like, all right, if you roll a 20, then, you know, the guards jump in front of you instead. And boom, there's the 20. It's like, well, I guess that's what happened. There you go. There's a saving throw. 20 on survival. 20 on survival for Gabaru. But uh, I guess maybe uh, 20 on the dex check to jump in front of all those little pink orbs that were flying at him for the, uh, for the soldiers. Yes. And what about yourself, Caleb? Oh, gosh. I think I'm going to give this 20 to Shion. Yeah. So I was going to give it to Benny Mari, but then I realized that that's a fireball, so he couldn't have rolled 20 on that. Yeah. Um, but Shion with the the big old like rift through the earth there. Oh, big old that. Yep, uh, that's that, what you were going. That's what I was expecting yeah. you to say. Uh, that twenty. That's a twenty to hit. That is like that's when essentially your one of your players hits so hard that they manage to take out like the full HP of not only the one that they were aiming for, but like the guys next to him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's when they throw the dice and the table cracks exactly <laughs> uh, that's fantastic good old Shion Shion is certainly becoming one of my favourite characters to tell the truth um, Shion quite... is honestly great yeah yeah. Uh, and she doesn't get enough screen time well, well not enough voice time anyway yeah, she will good she, good she will I... increasing voice time but so, uh, her yeah, she gets a lot of standout stuff in season two, which unfortunately we will not cover. No, hopefully people have gone ahead and have become fans of that time slime during their times listening to us. Or they could just buy the books and read them all. They could, they could, and see even more of she. Archive, which, which I what? cannot condone officially. I, I, no, 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 I didn't no, hear no, anything. No, no, I said that. What? What? Um, I before Sorry, new place <laughs> that you, get, you pick up weird sounds. This, this month's uh, crime pass. Anyway, um, thank you for listening. Uh, please go over to the places where you subscribe and leave a review for us. That'd be really great. Or just a rating. Five stars would be really good. And share us with your friends uh, so that they can enjoy this as well and get some ideas about war and followers and all the rest. Uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can. It's at DNDNTVPOD. 
Um, if you chuck an at gmail.com on the end of that, you can send us emails and ask questions about that time slime as well. Uh, Caleb, where can people find you online if they want more tips about different internet places? People can find me at what's a Caleb on Instagram. Uh, and yeah, that is the main place right now. Wonderful. Wonderful. We are brought to you by, um, masters of alchemy this week. Uh, the premier game mastering service. Uh, if you go over to the mastersofalchemy.com website, you'll see that there is or there is going to be a pop-up shop in Brunswick um, for the next few months, particularly over the school holidays in Melbourne. That's up until, I believe, the start of July. And you can come along and see some cool free RPG game. game uh, free um, RPG yeah. game day things, which we'll be running games for. Uh, but also, you know, just check out the shop and uh, find out more about role-playing games because awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe it is the 24th that we're going to be running games, both me and, yes. and Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, what are you running? Uh, I'm going to be running Cyberpunk, uh, which I'm really looking forward oh, yeah. to because uh, I don't think there's and... enough Cyberpunk stuff. I mean, I could run anything, but it's going to be Cyberpunk. It's going to be Cyberpunk. Good. Yeah. I am going to be running Ryutama. Ooh, Ryotama. So I'm, I'm wanting to say it now. To... Yes, Ryotama. So if anyone wants to play some Ryutama, um, please, for the love of God, um, <laughs> come along and uh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be the 20... 24th of June, um, which is not too far away, but um, we would really love to see you. So uh, check that out. Uh, but until next time, well... Be kind. Uh, be kind to yourselves. <laughs> Stay safe. May all your hits be crits. And we'll see you next time uh, you get turned into a slime. Absolutely. See you guys next time. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.